Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome aboard to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. We have a jam-packed show for you this afternoon. Some baseball shows will tell you they got a jam-packed show. They're going to, you know, show you a little sunshine. They'll give you a little razzle-dazzle. They're going to make it look good. But really, really, they got nothing. We've got a jam-packed show. We've got the actual jam-packed show. Other shows look at this show for the blueprint of what a jam-packed show is supposed to look like. That's what we've got on White Sox Weekly this afternoon. We couldn't be happier uh, that you're joining us for the next two hours. We'll take you right up to the pregame show at 6.30. White Sox and Rangers tonight. That, of course, two old friends Derek Holland and Martin Perez squaring off on the mound. Be nice to see Derek Holland get a little bounce back start. He has needed one. The Rangers have fought hard in this series. The White Sox got themselves a win in last night's game. It was hairy, four to three. But the bullpen, which by and large is going to be baptized by fire throughout the next six weeks of the season, the last six weeks of the season. They came through last night, and I thought it was kind of fun to watch a couple of guys, you know, going for in, in the game before that and in this game last night. Their first career saves uh, didn't work out the first time around in Texas, worked out last night, and the White Sox got themselves a win. They're 46th on the season. Of course, we've got a boatload of news on this show today. It, it seems like each week for the last three or four weeks, the White Sox have done us a favor here on White Sox Weekly and, uh, well, frankly, forced us to have just a ton of stuff in the show, which has been great. You know, we've had call-ups, we've had trades, we've had big news, all this good stuff. Uh, we've had some injuries, too, pop up that have caused a lot of conversation in a good way. And I, I think, you know, by and large, this is going to be another show where we do some of that. We found out just the other day that Lucas Giolito is going to come up and make his first start of the season for the White Sox on Monday. Not sure exactly what game he's going to start in the doubleheader on Monday. I wouldn't be all that surprised if Ricky Renteria had that information for us at some point this afternoon, perhaps even here on the show. Definitely tomorrow, Sunday's pregame show. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if we find out uh, before Monday which game he's going to start. I, I don't know that it's going to be a last-minute kind of thing. We do have, you know, the other side, flip side of the coin. A little bit of news there, too. Reynaldo Lopez hits the disabled list. 10-day DL for Reynaldo, who made his first, sorry, second start, first road start of the year against the Texas Rangers in game one of this series down in Arlington. I'll tell you how they put it in the media release, the injury here. Strained back. Ronaldo had talked about his side kind of bugging him some when he came off the plane when they landed in Texas. Remember that late-night flight from L.A. to Texas. I, I think the White Sox get in about 5 o'clock in the morning. Or Ed and DJ got into the hotel about 5 o'clock in the morning. So that means the, the team probably got there about 5.30 because if Ed was driving, he's doing about 120 down whatever freeway he can find in Texas. And I, I, I don't think there are laws in Texas, so Ed's free to do whatever he wants. I, that's a late night, and I think Ronaldo, and we'll talk quite a bit with Colin Whitchurch of BP Southside on the other side of a quick break about the circumstances around Ronaldo leaving the game. Jose Abreu had a lot to do with that uh, in a good way, you know, showing some leadership. And while, yeah, you know, that leadership kind of came out of a, a little bit of miscommunication or perhaps, you know, a rookie wanting to show up for his new ball club and, and let everybody know that he's going to be out there and he's going to take the ball and throw. 
I, I think you circumvented any larger issues by way of Jose Abreu's leadership. So we'll talk about that about that a bit with Colin on the other side. Uh, Michael Kopech gets promoted, though not to the major league club. He's gone from Double A AA to Triple A. He'll make his first start for the Knights on Monday. We'll talk a lot about Kopech. We'll talk a lot about Giolito. We'll talk a bit about Ronaldo Lopez too. We'll have a conversation with White Sox catcher Zach Collins. He just got a promotion as well. He's going up from High A to Double A Birmingham. So while Zach will miss Michael Kopech since he's been promoted. He certainly had a chance to catch a bunch of big arms in this system. He's been having a pretty all right year himself. We'll talk to him about the minor league season that's almost wrapping up. They got the end of this month, a couple more weeks into uh, September. That's about it uh, for a lot of those lower levels. So with, we'll talk with Zach probably about 5.30 or so is when we'll get Zach on the horn and talk a bit with him. We got to talk about Nikki Delmonico as well. I mean, the guy has done nothing but hit since come up to the big leagues. Five home runs already in 15 games. One inside the park home run. And remember this, too. I Somebody on Twitter threw this at me, and I'd kind of just totally spaced on this during last night's postgame show, and my apologies for doing so. But remember, at Guaranteed Rate Field just last week, Alex Gordon took away a home run from Nicky Delmonico. So, you know, put that down as six if not for a terrific play by Alex Gordon out in right center field. lot to get to on the show this afternoon. Of course, as always, you're invited to be a part of it. 312-591-8900. That's 312-591-8900. That's the phone number this afternoon. The question on Twitter for you, you can follow us. C1 McKnight is the Twitter handle, at C1 McKnight on Twitter. The question for you is really simple, but I do want to keep it to the month of August just for sake of conversation, just for sake of discussion. What's been the most standout thing for you since August started? What's stuck in your crawl a little bit about the White Sox over the last couple of weeks? Because I think you got to have both sides of the coin in a conversation like that. For me, as, as much as the rookies have uh, been fun to watch and in a lot of cases impressed, since August started, I got one thing that has really stood out to me as impressive and hopefully indicative for the long term. Uh, for the Chicago White Sox. I, I've probably given it away already. I've talked about it a lot on the pre- and post-game show over the last couple of weeks, but we'll get to that a bit later on in the show as well. Colin Whitchurch is coming up next, but you can head to the park for Dollar Hot Dogs every Wednesday home game through the rest of the season. Through the rest of the season? Dollar Hot Dogs every Wednesday. Take advantage of this unbeatable deal August 23rd as the Sox take on the Minnesota Twins, 7, 10 p.m. Purchase tickets today by visiting whitesox.com. We're calling 866-SOX-GAME. We're going to step to a break so we can get Colin on the phone. He's got stuff to do. It's a Saturday. Colin Whitchurch, BP Southside, joins us next on White Sox Weekly. You've got WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. The official stance of the show is that you should not stare directly into the eclipse. That's just our thought here on the show. You're free to do whatever you want. Uh, but definitely tune in for the pregame show, whether you can or can't see. We're friendly to everybody. We'll start that at 6.30. White Sox and Rangers coming up then. Right now, it is our privilege and pleasure to talk with Colin Whitchurch of BP Southside. He was at the last two ball games in Arlington. In fact, Colin is a, uh, a Texas native, Colin, or just Texas resident? Good to have you on the show, my man. Hey Connor, good to talk to you. I'm a, I'm a Texas resident. I, resident. I live in Austin, although I am back home 
uh, my parents uh, in Rockford, so I'm just right down the road from you guys now. Oh, nice. Nice little visit for the folks, and glad you could uh, head out to the ballpark to watch the White Sox and take in and be the beat reporter uh, for a handful of days. You were there for a couple of busy ones, and I do want to slide this in, too, because the White Sox have, if you'll pardon me, have made a lineup change. Yohan Mankata has been scratched from the lineup tonight. Shin splints in his right shin. I have had shin splints. I have not been a professional athlete by any stretch, but I've had shin splints. They're nasty. Uh, Mankata's going to sit, and it looks like if I can just scroll through this, uh, please pardon, uh, Yolmer Sanchez is going to be at second base today, which means Tyler Saladino has third. All right, back to Colin. Colin, uh, talk us through the conversations you had with uh, with players, with Jose, with Ronaldo, uh, about the incident which removed Ronaldo Lopez from his second start with the White Sox uh, just the other night, will you? Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was interesting. I mean, I, I think you saw it on the broadcast where uh, Ricky and uh, Herm came out, and uh, from from what Ricky told us, they walked they walked out and they asked him about his arm, and Ronaldo was honest with them and said, "My arm's fine." <laughs> so they started to walk away, and that's when uh, Jose Abreu kind of did what he's been doing, playing playing that. Uh, I, I like to call it the the older brother role a little bit saying, hey, are you sure you're okay? And Reynaldo told him, well, my side hurts. And that's when Jose was like, hey, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to start. Let's not be a hero. Let's play it safe. And he called, uh, you know, Ricky and Herm back. And that's when he came out of the game. So, obviously, you know, you don't blame Reynaldo for wanting to pitch through it. It's a second start with the organization. He's trying to make a good impression. Mm -hmm. But, you know, big props to Jose for, for doing what he did and, you know, it's hope that the injury to Reynaldo isn't very serious. Doesn't sound like it is, but you know you can't blame the White Sox for being as cautious as they are. Also, Colin Whitchurch, BP Southside here, joining us on White Sox Weekly. I wonder where you fall on the idea of leadership in a big league clubhouse. Is it a situation where it takes an extraordinary individual or individuals, in some cases, to be a leader, or is it? Do you think a case of a vacuum where if there is a lack of leadership, something will rush to place it, uh, fill it rather, but, you know, the quality of that could be, you know, kind of thrown up in the air? I think it, I think it varies from case to case for sure. I think that you have guys, you know, Todd Frazier was always talked about as a leader. And, you know, if you spend some time in the clubhouse, you know that when Todd Frazier was here, he pretty much never stopped talking. You know, he yeah. was the vocal <laughs> leader of the team for sure. And Jose isn't quite as vocal of a guy, but he has, you know, and in talking to him, you know, he knows that he's kind of taken on this kind of mentorship role, especially with the guys who English isn't their first language. You know, you heard the story about when Mankata made his debut, he went and picked him up from the airport. Um, now you have the story of, of him looking out for Reynaldo and just seeing in the clubhouse, you know, seeing him interact with the guys, you can tell that he enjoys that role and you can tell that he you know, has sort of taken it upon himself to make sure that those guys are comfortable and those guys are doing what they need to do. And I guess to your larger point, you know, it, it varies from team to team. And, you know, that, that kind of stuff isn't very quantifiable. But it's important, especially if you're building winning ball players. You know, being a leader isn't going to necessarily make you win more games today, but it's going to make those players more successful in the future. From top to bottom, from soup to nuts, everybody in that clubhouse has pointed to Jose Abreu as an exemplary dude, a guy who I, I think, although the language barrier is happens to be there between Jose and English-speaking guys, I don't think it's as... Um, I don't. I don't think it's a, as massive a barrier as it could be. I think he gets along and con converses fairly well with guys he doesn't necessarily speak the same first language as. Do you get the same 
do you get the same feeling uh, about how he's regarded? Definitely. I think so. Um, you see even, uh, you know, guys like Mickey Delmonico who've come up and um, like you said, there's a, there's a language barrier, but it's not like it's an insurmountable barrier, you know, uh, you know, cause baseball has its own particular language and you yeah. talk to guys about certain baseball related things, regardless of what language you speak. And I think the fact that they kind of stuck, you know, they have, they have Nikki down there. I, I guess I can't speak to the home clubhouse, but on the road, Nikki and Yoan and Yolmer um, are all kind of packed in there together and they're all always hanging out and, and you can just tell that he, he, he just, Jose just seems happy in that role. And I think that, uh, you know, it, it, it makes a difference. And, and it's something that we always brought up from time to time, especially in trade talk. It's like, you know, Jose's the last, the last veteran in the clubhouse practically, at least from a positional standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I think that th- there does get to a point where a guy's leadership, even if it's not quantifiable, it definitely outweighs what you could potentially get in a return. And it is going to make a difference in the long run, whether even if it's not in 2017, even if it's not in 2018, the kind of leadership that he provides is going to matter in these guys' career long-term, whether they're English-speaking or not. Nikki Delmonico I, I, is, in fact, in that home clubhouse uh, in there with Yoan Mancata and Jose Abreu. And I'm forgetting one more that's the fourth player that's down there. I don't think it's Yolmer, but he is down there all the time annoying everybody. Uh, but it's, you know, he's, a, he's a very lovable guy in the clubhouse. He's just the kind of guy who likes to flick your ear and then walk away sort of thing. Everybody loves him. What have you seen from yeah, Nicky Delmonico? Uh, let's let's talk a bit about the rookie sensation who's got five home runs over his first five games, who has done nothing but hit and looked all right out there in the field, though he's played mostly DH now that they're back in the American League. What do you think is real? What do you think is a little over his head? What do you think of Nicky Delmonico? You know, it's actually funny because I kind of was drawn toward Nicky Delmonico during the week I spent uh, in Glendale over spring training. Uh, Interesting. And I, I, I was like, you know, I, I came into spring training late. I was only there for like four days, and I was like, I want to try and find a story to write that nobody's written yet. And I met Delmonico, and I looked into his backstory, and I said, you know, I'm going to write about this guy. He's kind of interesting. He used to be a pretty pretty well-regarded prospect, and he kind of fell on hard times in Baltimore and Milwaukee. Um, but more than anything, I think the one skill that he has that's going to be there is his bat-to-ball skill. And that's huge. Yeah. You know, you you see the kind of numbers he's putting up right now, and it's such a small sample size. His bat is incredibly high. He's not going to hit 380 you know, over the course <laughs> of his career, but the fact that he can absolutely put the bat on the ball – is a transferable skill that's going to carry over to all of his other tools. And as far as his defense goes, you know, uh, he, he looked okay and left. Um, I know Ricky said he's still taking ground balls at third. They're going to try him there, although every report I've heard about his infield defense is not that great. So I don't know where he's going to stick long-term, whether it's left field or if he hangs around with the team for a couple of years, maybe first base with a Brady moving over to DH or something like that. I mean, that's, that's so far down the road, I don't know. But, you know, a player like that, the White Sox finding a major league contributor kind of out of nowhere, is so important in building a, a winning ball club. As important, maybe not as important, but virtually as important as finding all these top prospects and then panning out, is finding those other guys who can contribute and that you just kind of pick up for nothing, and that's what Delmonico could be. Yeah, and, and you, you know, you mentioned the, the versatility he may have glove-wise, depending on who else comes up and, and other guys that may be – 
you know, for in different degrees, out of nowhere type ball players, he can perhaps be moved around to a couple of different spots and, and fill a utility type role defensively fairly averagely. That that's got value in and of itself too. Absolutely. And you see the White Sox have have gotten a few of those guys now. If you look at you know, in in the outfield, you know, with uh with, I mean, Angle's obviously a center fielder who can play anywhere on the field. Leary's shown the ability to play both center and left. And then the infield, you know, both Zilmer and Saladino can play all over the field. So having that versatility, particularly from your role players, from your non-stars, is so critical in building a winning team, and adding Del Monaco to that mix is, is a big boost. Colin Whitchurch, BP Southside here with us for another minute or two. Uh, let's talk a bit about Lucas Giolito. We'll see him Monday for uh, one of the two games against the Minnesota Twins and at Guaranteed Rate Field. He'll be the 26th man, but you know the general manager, Rick Hahn, has mentioned a couple of times that he'd like for those big arms to have consistent spots in the rotation when they get called up. Do you expect that that a move gets made? Does it kind of have the feel of uh, of we'll just we'll, we'll make the announcement down the line and just give ourselves as many options as we can? Yeah, you know, I, I asked Ricky yesterday if his uh, his quote unquote spot start on Monday was going to carry over to just him being a part of the rotation the rest of the season, and Ricky wouldn't commit to that, which you understand why. Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen Monday, but um, you know, go, going into Monday, if you'd asked me yesterday. I would have said that my guess was, even though the White Sox don't want to kind of bring guys up and down, my thought was he was going to make the spot start Monday, spend a week and a half back down in AAA, and then come up and join the rotation in September. I, my guess is that that was the idea, but now with Reynaldo hitting the DL, maybe he just takes over Reynaldo's spot in the rotation, and then they all kind of play together in September. But either way, I think that whether it's he gets a little break after Monday or whether he's just there for the rest of the season, I think it's a you know another good opportunity to get a look at someone who you hope is a part of the future rotation. Well, that right there is the reason you don't make an announcement on whether or not he's sticking in the rotation because stuff happens. Injuries pop up and you give yeah. yourself uh, plenty of options to go. Real quickly, the, the thumbnail then is as you've kind of looked at Giolito's minor league season so far this year, we're going to talk a little bit more on the show about Giolito and about Lopez uh, coming up on White Sox Weekly. But what have you thought uh, about Giolito and um, what have you heard from people you've talked to? Yeah, you know, if you scout the stat line, which is always a mistake when you're dealing with minor leaguers. Absolutely. The, you know, his his last uh, five or six starts have, have been a lot better. He dealt with – he went through some rough patches uh, in the middle of the season there at AAA. But more so than the numbers, you know, talking to Don Cooper yesterday, they just talked about, you know, he's, he's starting to command his pitches better, his mechanics – are under control and they're consistent, and that's what they've been looking for him all, looking for out of him all season. I think, um, you know, the rough patch he went in with Washington, with them changing his mechanics, kind of screwed with him a little bit, and that takes some time to fix. You know, you gotta you gotta think the White Sox coaching staff has only been working with Giolito for, you know, eight months now approximately. So uh, they they got another chance to get their hands on him, and they've been working with him, and uh, this is going to be a good opportunity for them to get an even more up close and personal look at him to to see where he's at in his development colin really appreciate you hopping on we will look forward to the uh can we get a tease of what's coming up what's being written next uh after your your trip to arlington and seeing the white Sox? what are you writing sure i sure i wrote a couple of uh i wrote a couple of on the spot pieces there but i i uh, had a really nice conversation for about 10 minutes with uh, leary garcia the other day 
talked to some rangers about some rangers who have been there a long time about kind of his development path and i talked to him about his development path so i got a nice little feature on leary and the player he's become coming up probably monday you can find that on bpsouthside.com i had a feeling you had something like that in the uh on the back burner there. looking forward to reading that thanks so much yeah, anytime, Connor. Thanks a lot. You got it. Colin Whitchurch, BP Southside, joining us here on White Sox Weekly. I had a, you know, writer Colin Stature. You figure he's, you know, got all those sort of ins and outs covered on a trip like that to Arlington. Lurie Garcia is a guy who I've got in the rundown for the show as well. Since coming back from injury, the numbers haven't been quite as eye-popping, I guess, as before his injury. But I think that's where, and Colin mentioned it too, scouting the stat line, so to speak, can be kind of, yeah, it can belie what the actual player's been doing. I, I happen to think his at-bats, for the most part, have looked a lot better than perhaps the results have merited for him. And uh, and I think Lurie's a real interesting piece on this White Sox club. I think there are a handful of them that kind of fit that uh, not quite top prospect thing, but might indeed be intriguing player. We gotta hit the five o'clock news. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more about the uh, the latest pieces of news. Lucas Giolito's gonna come up. Renato Lopez hits the DL. Yoan Mancata's out tonight with shin splints in his right shin. We'll uh, get you we'll get you posted on who's gonna replace Renato Lopez on the twenty five man roster as well. So keep right here. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AMA ninety. Here's a swing and a line drive deep right field. He might have his first major league home run to the bleachers. He has a three-run homer by Delmonico, and it's now a 7-5 Boston lead. Tagged him out. Here's a swing and a long one to right. Going back. Mazzara track wall, two-run homer. Sox lead. They lead 3-2 on the two-run homer by Delmonico. And the pitch, a short arm and a swing and a long one to right. Is it enough to the track at the wall? Leaping. It's off the wall. Extra bases. He's got two. This might be an inside the park home run. He's around third and he's coming in. Odor picks it up. The throw coming home. Going to be close. One up. Safe at home plate. Throwing it inside the park home run for Delmonico. His second home run of the game. Nicky Delmonico has been a ton of fun to watch in his first three weeks in the major leagues. I wanted to talk a little bit about Nikki. Uh, you can join the show, 231-259-1800. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. You can hit us on Twitter, too, at C1McKnight. That is the Twitter handle. Uh, but before I go any farther, further, either way, join us for Star Wars Night on Saturday, August 26th. Farther would be distance, further would be degree. August 26th, as the Sox take on the Tigers, 610 p.m., the first 15,000 in attendance will take home a White Sox Stormtrooper bobblehead. Plus, stick around for post-game fireworks shows presented by the Magellan Corporation. Purchase tickets today by visiting WhiteSox.com or calling 866-SOX-GAME. The Star Wars read reminds me, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Eclipse later on in the show. We will also, and this is an apropos of nothing, uh, we will also talk about a statement that the uh, Major League, uh, rather World Umpires Association put out. Uh, they are, they've had it with some verbal abuse that they've been getting, and they issued a statement about it. I'd, I'd like to uh, bring that to your attention and address it some a little bit later on in the show. But for now, for now, we will have a little conversation about Nikki Delmonico. And I, I guess, you know, the question I wanted to throw out there on Twitter, or did throw out there on Twitter, and you're more than welcome to chime in on the old Twitter machine. Uh, just since the start of August, 
what's been the tops, what's been the pits for you watching the White Sox? I want to hear both sides because I think, you know, for the White Sox over the last couple of weeks, there have been learning moments for the White Sox, especially that young crew of players. But by and large... Now, there have been some mistakes by, you know, a couple of veterans here or there. That's just, it's kind of baseball. You're going to have that. But, you know, I think in looking at Nicky Delmonico, we can kind of find an example of there there was a mistake or two. The mistake was made up for. And then you just kind of keep on plugging and go up there with an approach and, and then a bat and a plan and do some damage. Here's Here's exactly what I'm talking about. Now, we talked about this some on last week's White Sox Weekly, but I guess we'll elaborate more since he's just continued to rake and hit multi-home runs, two in Dodger Stadium and then two, granted, not all that conventional. One of them uh, coming off the top of the wall, Nomar Mazzara came up with what seemed to be like an ankle sprain uh, up against the wall for an inside-the-park home run in last night's game, two home runs there. But for Delmonico, I don't know if you remember, you probably do, he was out there in left field in Boston. In Boston, they have that giant wall in left. It's difficult to manage. you got to play so much more shallow there to take away something that drops in front of you because anything that's over your head with any kind of power, it's either going to ricochet off that wall at about 9,000 miles per hour or it's gone. It's on the highway. So being put out there, which has got to be one of uh, a number of well, probably a top three tough left field in, in baseball. That's a tough assignment for a guy who's played all of about 20 games, including the minor leagues, this year in left. I believe he had something in the double digits last season, too. I, I Memory serves as going to be a 12, 15, something like that last season. But he's primarily been a corner infielder. Nick, unfamiliar with the outfield. With Team USA, I know he said he we actually had Nicky on a couple of weeks ago. I think it was last week, two weeks. And he mentioned that he'd play a little bit of outfield, a little bit of first with Team USA when he was coming up as a teenager. But still, it's his most comfortable positions third. Anyway, he makes the misread on the ball out and left. It looks bad. It does. I mean, you, you miss a fly ball like that. It goes behind you. Fine. But the reason I point it out is because that potential embarrassment, that literally having to turn around and pick up a baseball while on a Major League Baseball field takes, I don't know, something. Ricky Renneria has talked about Nicky as having an it factor uh, a number of different ways. Movie star, in fact, is what he said. And I'm not exactly sure what Ricky means by that. Maybe he's Stallone. I'm not entirely sure. It factor is is kind of defined by the person who has said it factor, I guess. But for Nicky to turn around, grab that ball, make that mistake, chuck it in, hit the relay, man, make the right play after that and get the White Sox out of a bind, that to me was kind of impressive. To do that and then continue to go up there with a plan to not let that mistake as a rookie in your first, you know, four games eat at you or pick at you at all, I really liked to see that. And I think you've seen that in a couple of different ball players on this White Sox squad, rookies or no. Larry Garcia has made a mistake or two in the outfield. He's 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 copped to them and, and I think made up for them in a pretty good um in a pretty good way. Uh, piece of news is being handed to me. Apologies if uh, we're breaking up the flow here. 
Sorry, we might have just a little bit of, uh, of breaking news. Yeah, it, it, it does look as though, and this is just thanks to Dave Zaslowski for handing this to me, Carlos Rodon, Dave, I'm looking at you, make sure I get this right. Carlos Rodon is going to start game one of the doubleheader against the Minnesota Twins on Monday. And then Carson Fulmer is coming up from AAA Charlotte to start game two against the Minnesota Twins. And Lucas Giolito is going to be bumped to the Tuesday start against the Minnesota Twins. Interesting. Okay, so Carson Fulmer, and, you know, we're just getting this in here on White Sox Weekly, so uh, I want to make sure that we've got it right, obviously, as we as we talk about it with you. Uh, Carson Fulmer is going to make the one start and then sent, be sent back down to AAA Charlotte. And Lucas Giolito will take Ronaldo Lopez's start a spot in the rotation um, for the time being while Ronaldo is down on the 10-day disabled list. That's... Some pretty interesting stuff. So to recap, and I apologize for the disjointed nature of this, but such is uh, breaking news here on the show, and we're happy to bring it to you. We'll tweet it out as well in case you're just kind of driving around and want to hold it, look at it. Carlos Rodon is going to start game one. There it is. We've got our breaking news or something. That's like He-Man and Battle Cat. That's what it's okay. Oh, it's Rodan is what it is. It's, it's Rodan. It's not Rodan. That's a Godzilla thing. Carlos Rodon is going to start game one of the doubleheader against the Minnesota Twins. Carson Fulmer is going to come up and start game two of that doubleheader. He will make just the one start and be sent back down, kind of a true 26th man for that doubleheader. And then Lucas Giolito is going to move to Tuesday's start against the Twins. So a little bit of rotation shuffling, a little bit of news right here on White Sox Weekly. We'll tweet it out. At C1McKnight is the Twitter handle, but that's kind of cool. You'll get to see in a span of... um, Two days, three games, Rodon, Fulmer, and Giolito. That is really cool. Giolito uh, obviously has gotten, and we just talked with Colin Whitchurch of BP Southside a few minutes ago, Giolito's really ironed some things out and gotten things together over his last handful of starts. The beginning and first half of the season for him was very much an exercise in getting the mechanics back together and being more consistent and had a lot more to do with uh, you know, fighting his own you know, making sure that he was right more so than the results were right, I suppose is maybe the best way to put it. And then since getting those mechanics locked in, he, you know, had kind of taken off and, you know, thrown a seven-inning no-hitter, struck out a couple of – had a couple double-digit double strikeout games, this, that, and the other. Carson Fulmer's very much um, at times been a little wayward. It's been a, a kind of a tough season at times for Carson but then he'll have these bounce-back starts where the strikeouts are high, the walks are down. He might give up a home run or two, but, man – you know, that stuff, that cutter, that brutal fastball that he can throw and, and really a couple of different varieties of it have shown up. And he's been able to harness some things for a start, uh, for a couple stretches of starts. So Carson's going to get that one go in game two against the Twins. Rodon in game one, in case you're just joining us. Carlos Rodon's going to start game one Monday against the Twins. Carson Fulmer coming up for game two of that doubleheader. He'll then go back down to AAA. Lucas Giolito will still come up. He will join the rotation full-time on Tuesday. I, I guess I full-time would be jumping a little bit ahead. That's an assumption on my part. He'll be in the rotation to take Ronaldo Lopez's start. I would imagine, I think the logical jump there is, that Giolito will then be in the rotation from that point to the end of the season. What the moves what, what moves the White Sox may make to, to figure out the rest of the five men in that rotation once Ronaldo comes back, 
that's a decision they'll probably make and announce probably come Monday, I would imagine, at the earliest. So that's your news. A lot of it here on the show. We'll take a minute to sort things out for ourselves and kind of talk about the uh, the tentacles that that news kind of has. Right now, we'll tell you this. Hey, deadheads, you can join us Friday, September 1st for Grateful Dead Night as the Sox take on the Tampa Bay Rays. Purchase this ticket package to receive a game ticket and a specially designed White Sox Grateful Dead tee. Be sure to stick around for the postgame fireworks show presented by Jewel Osco. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Grateful Dead to get your tickets today. So we've got some breaking news. We will recap what the White Sox rotation looks like for the next couple of days when we get back. After the 5.30 news, we'll talk to Zach Collins, catcher in the White Sox system, who was just promoted to AA Birmingham. Talk to him just before he heads out to take BP for the Barons. Uh, he's got a promotion and has pitched or caught rather a number of solid pitchers in the White Sox organization. We'll talk to him about that as well. I'm Connor. Our phone number here on the show, 312-591-8900. Hit us on Twitter, at C1McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly. You've got WLS AM 890. So we had some breaking news here on White Sox Weekly over the last uh, 15 minutes or so. I'm Connor McKnight, so glad you could join us for this afternoon. We'll start the pregame show at 630. Uh, I will rush through this real quickly only because we've got on the, uh, well, right here, Ricky Renteria talking with the White Sox beat reporters, and he'll go through the reasons, the Y4s, and the what-have-yous in just a moment. But Carlos Rodon will start Game 1 against the Minnesota Twins on Monday. Carson Fulmer will come up to pitch Game 2, then be returned to AAA. You get to do that with a doubleheader. You get a 26th guy. Lucas Giolito is still coming up. He'll just pitch Tuesday and then stay in the rotation. That's the nuts and bolts of things. For all the details and inside information, We'll turn you over to White Sox manager Ricky Renteria here on the White Sox Weekly Show. Can you have some uh, switches to your rotation for next week with Lopez going on? Today? Yeah, yeah. That the the uh, the move with Lopez uh, changes it up a little bit for us. So uh, we're down. We'll go the first game on Monday, and then uh, Fulmer will pick up the second one, and then uh, Gio will join us on Tuesday for uh, what we're in Lopez start. So Gio will be in the Lucas will be in the rotation for the correct moving forward. Yeah. What about Carson? Is this just a one uh, start thing for him? Yeah, for right now it's just going to be one start, mm-hmm. and then uh, he'll go back. Lopez, I know you guys said you didn't seem real worried yesterday, but just kind of a precaution. Precaution. Uh, it's a, a precautionary measure. Uh, we feel really good about where he's at. And it wasn't his side exactly. It went more toward his back, I guess, as it's now developing. But he's feeling good. Uh, but for us, uh, I think it's proven a good move for us to just slow it down, make sure he's okay. Shin Mokata is day-to-day. You said he started bothering him a little bit more today. Yeah, Shin, uh, he's got a shin splint on his right uh, shin. So he's been playing with it for a couple of days. I think he said yesterday he started feeling a little bit more. And then today... Uh, we got it worked on and wrapped and see if it could alleviate a little bit of the discomfort. So he said he was still feeling it uh, enough to, to feel like he, he would impede him a little bit. So we'll just keep treating him day to day and uh, we'll see if we can find a way to minimize the, the discomfort he feels and still be allowed to play. You were on Carson last year when he was a yeah. reliever, a uh, great kid. Great kid. Hard. Competitor. He seemed to kind of quite find his niche, but he's young, right? I mean, he's Yeah, he's a young man. I, you know, obviously he's been starting uh, for us down there, and I think he's still finding his way. Uh, he will continue to develop. There's no doubt in my mind uh, with his personality and his makeup 
he's going to be able to, to find his his niche, as you say, and be able to be an effective major league uh, pitcher. The, uh, the issue with, with Lopez, yeah. that happened, when did it occur, where did it start? All I know is he, he, he must have felt it in the morning that day uh, when he got up. And then uh, he didn't think anything about it. He didn't, you know, went out, did everything he did, felt good. Uh, I must have just started feeling more sore as the as the outing was going. Obviously, we noticed the drop in velocity, so we weren't sure. When I went out there on that day, I, you know, I asked him if it was his shoulders. I only said no. Uh, he didn't lie to me, but uh, he didn't give me the whole the whole thing. Has there been any, been any progress with Davidson? Yeah, he's uh, swinging the bat today again. Um, right now, our plan is to continue to have him taking batting practice, working on in the field, um, get him through a Tuesday, I believe. At that point, we're going to make a decision, I think, uh, about uh, how we uh, proceed, whether it's a uh, rehab assignment, uh, which, is, which is likely, uh, because he's been down an extended period of time. So but he's progressing well. He's feeling better. Danny Parker said uh, you were his favorite player. Yeah, you know, it's funny. He mentioned that to me in there, and I said, you just went to the top of the list. So. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it's it's neat It's it's uh, to hear that. Uh, he, he says, I even have a picture. You, you, you and I together. I said, wow. He says, I'm going to have my dad send it to me. I said, okay. Uh, now I really feel old. <laughs> you probably get a lot of that, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Who was your favorite player growing up? Yeah. P. Rose. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Hustle. Uh, I like that. I like uh, the way he went about it. You know, I know there's a lot of stuff going on, but he's he gave it. He gave it what he had. Night hitting last night. Yeah. Lead off walk. Was that a teaching moment? You know, for for leave him in. To for many, I mean, he he had to finish the game. He he was going to close it out. Uh, bottom line, you know, he was going to win it or or take the loss. Uh, I think he has everything. Uh, that he needs to be able to close out ball games. Obviously, um, he's got a good arm. He's, he's, his approach, his mentality, he's kind of been chipping away since we've had him here, uh, and it worked out. You know, it's another another uh, piece of experience for him. I know he was really happy with being able to finish it out, uh, and hopefully that'll continue to serve him well um, in confidence in terms of being able to take a big moment right there and do what he needs to do. You hear. There's a certain, takes a certain kind of mentality to close out games. Yeah. You feel he's has that well, potential. To I think guys that close out games uh, don't fear uh, loss. They don't feel giving it up. You know, they know that it's a moment in which they've got to go ahead and, and finish out a ball game. Uh, obviously, it's the most pivotal point because the last three outs of the ball game seem to be the toughest to get. Um, and I think he has a type of mentality that would recover if, uh, if need be. If something didn't go well, that he'd come back and you know put it aside and, and change his attitude for the next outing. And so that's the biggest thing I think closers have is the ability to put things behind them, good or bad. How was Delmonico look against uh, left-handed? Not bad. Uh, I don't think he's looked bad. I know his numbers. There's a there's a he's a two seven. I think I was just looking at a two seventy clip probably against lefties as opposed to righties. But he's been facing more righties than he has lefties uh, so far. He stands in very well against lefties. I think we saw that in the spring also. Uh, he's got a really solid approach. Um, and then you can just try to give him the best matchups possible. I mean, there are going to be some lefties that are going to be tough on lefties just in general. But I think he stands in pretty well. 
That is the manager, Ricky Renteria. Wanted to get that for you as the White Sox have changed the rotation around a bit here during White Sox Weekly. Seems we've gotten news during the show the last couple of weeks. Carlos Rodon goes game one against the Twins on Monday. Carson Fulner up for one start game two. Lucas Giolito joins the rotation for good on Tuesday. So that's the news of the day. When we come back, you'll hear from Zach Collins, White Sox catcher down at AA Birmingham. We talked with him yesterday, so stay tuned. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. The MLB.com at Bat app is your number one mobile app for live White Sox baseball. Stay connected with a fully customizable experience. Get White Sox home screen icons and app features as well as game day, live game video highlights, radio broadcasts, statcast, news, and more. Download MLB.com at Bat today. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. We have some news for you. This breaking just about, oh, I don't know, let's call it a half an hour ago, something like that. White Sox have changed the rotation around some for Monday and Tuesday. Also, uh, they've changed the lineup around a bit for today's ballgame. We're going to hear from White Sox catcher Zach Collins. He's down at AA Birmingham in just a few. Before that, we had a conversation with Chris Getz right I want to say it was a day or two before the All-Star break started. And we were just kind of doing, you know, Chris was nice enough to come on the show and and do a state of the system. I, I pumped him for a bunch of um, news on White Sox prospects at the time. We actually talked about Zach and about what you know the goal was for him over the next couple of months, which would have been July and into August. And now, you know, for most of, well, I guess it would have been most of June and July and now August. Uh, so you'll hear from uh, Chris, and then we'll talk to, uh, a bit to uh, Zach Collins. But the news of the day is this. Carlos Rodon's going to start game one of Monday's doubleheader against the Minnesota Twins. Carson Fulmer starts game two. He will then be returned to AAA Charlotte. He'll be the 26th man, but it'll be his first start in the big leagues. Worked as a reliever last season. Lucas Giolito comes up for Tuesday's start and will be in the rotation from there on out. At least that is the plan right now. Uh, Ronaldo Lopez hitting the disabled list earlier this afternoon. Perhaps we haven't mentioned that enough. Uh, he is on the DL. Danny Farquhar called up from AAA Charlotte to take his spot. Uh, so the White Sox are, uh, technically speaking, at four starters right now, though they have Mike Pelfrey in the bullpen. and Obviously, he's been a starter for the entirety of the season. He's been with the White Sox. So some flexibility there. Uh, and then we'll see. It doesn't sound like Ricky Renteria nor Ronaldo Lopez are all that concerned about the injury. It's a back stiffness sort of thing. And it does sound like he'll be able to, at least the hope is now, get back in rotation and pitch some toward the end of the year. But as Jose Abreu told him before Ronaldo left the mound the other night in Texas, there's a lot more important stuff than the next four or six outs or so of, of that start, and that's why he's on the disabled list there. Also, Avi Garcia back in the lineup tonight. Yoan Mankata out. He's got shin splints. He'll sit uh, probably a game or two. So that's the news. Let's get to Zach Collins in the minor leagues. Chris Getz talked with us, as I mentioned, uh, early in July about Zach Collins, the development plan and what he'd seen from him then. I just, as a way of looking back before we look forward, I, I thought we'd hear what Chris Getz had to say then. You know, I, at the end of the end of the year, I think the body to work, the body work is going to be pretty good. You're going to look up and you're going to see power production on base, um, you know, run scored, things like that. And then you obviously put on, uh, you add in the defense and the progress he's made there. 
Um, you know, average is a finicky thing. It is obviously uh, no doubt. kind of the way defenses are now and the positioning and, um, you know, so it, it can be a little bit deceiving. Uh, with that being said, just breaking down Collins as a hitter, he's a guy that, um, you know, timing is, is going to be a huge part of his uh, future success. And, you know, sometimes he, he uh, just like everyone else, um, can be a little bit late, foul some pitches off. But kind of the bonus of that is that he's working working the pitcher and he can work some walks. So, um, But over time, we want him to be able to be in a position to hit and drive the ball more consistently. Um, so that's those are the things we're focusing on right now. We're certainly not worried at all because this guy, you know, we believe in the makeup. Um, he's very confident in himself. He studies. Um, he looks forward to showing up each day. He's a good teammate. I mean, the guy loves baseball. Um, and a guy that loves baseball and has a good feel for the game, that's a pretty good recipe for success. That's the director of player development, Chris Getz, talking a bit uh, early July about Zach Collins. Elvis night is Friday, August 25th at Guaranteed Ray Field. Join us in remembering the king of rock and roll as the Sox take on the Detroit Tigers, 7, 10 p.m. Be sure to stay for a post-game fireworks show presented by Old Dominion Freightline. Visit WhiteSox.com to get your tickets today. The White Sox have made a number of promotions in their minor league system, and one of the men who has deserved it and gotten his is White Sox catcher Zach Collins, who goes up to double-A Birmingham, homered in your first game as well. That's got to be a nice little treat, show up to a new workplace and then uh, and then put up big. Congratulations, and how did that feel? Oh, man, it felt great. Um, you know, before the game, I, I kind of thought about that, and then I started off my first two at-bats with two strikeouts, and I was like, had to get those butterflies out and calm down a little bit and got a hold of one. So it was, uh, it was definitely a, a good moment. Zach, what have conversations been like with coaches, with teammates, with um, guys uh, elsewhere in your baseball world who, you know, that jump from high A to double A is really is a, a big one for a lot of guys. What have you heard about making the jump? What do you keep in mind uh, about, especially being at the plate as a hitter from uh, that league to this one? Um, I mean, I've heard a lot of things. I, I know that uh, there's a lot of good talent in this league, and um, obviously it just gets better and better as you go. But uh, I'm a type of guy who takes a lot of walks, and um, I feel like uh, I can be I can be better at, at each level that I go up. And um, so far, it's been the case, and, and I feel seeing the ball well and stuff like that, and um, just having a lot of fun. You mentioned a couple. Well, I take a look at, at the numbers that you put up at, at Winston Salem, and. You know, the walks are gigantic. The average probably isn't exactly where you'd like it to be. But that said, the the power numbers are big, too. What's the season been like for you hitting-wise? And, and how is it that uh, that you get such a big disparity between one number and the next? I try to overlook the average from Winston because, um, really, if you put the on-base percentage into perspective, then, then uh, I'm getting on-base a lot and uh, driving in runs with, with the home runs and stuff like that. So. Uh, my job is to, to make the pitchers feel good, catch good games, and, and drive in runs. So uh, I feel good about it. Do you feel, Zach, like you're, for the most part, swinging at the pitch you want to swing at in at-bats? I think Todd Steverson, the White Sox hitting coach, has talked a lot about making sure that the, the pitch you're firing on is the pitch you want to be looking at in that A-B. Is that something you, you felt pretty comfortable with this year? Yeah, for sure. And um, I, I don't think I, – I don't think uh, – I've gotten that pitch too many times, but um, I felt good about my bats and wins, and I feel good right now. And um, again, you're just looking for the pitch that you want to drive, and 
uh, my job is to drive in runs, and, and uh, I feel good about it so far. So let's go behind the plate a little bit. That 41% thrown out while stealing number is pretty gaudy, Zach. You have chucked out a bunch of base runners. What's the key? Um, I'm just making throws on the bag and, and just putting it there and consistently, and I haven't really... Uh, I haven't really realized what I've done or what I've changed, but um, we made a couple adjustments in spring training, and I guess it's it's uh, brought my confidence a lot a lot up. And uh, I've been uh, I don't really know. I guess just putting balls in the bag and, and throwing guys out. One of the things I, I remember talking with a couple of coaches, and, and I think you and I talked about this too late in spring, is that it was about kind of getting set before you came up to throw. I don't know if that's still accurate with um, with changes that you made, but I wonder if you can describe that a little bit uh, to listeners and, and kind of work them through what you're trying to get done as you pop up to throw out a base runner at second. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think uh, catching every day in, in pro ball has definitely helped me a lot and uh, just kind of getting into a rhythm. In, uh, in college, it was like catch – catch two days and then off for three and then catch one and off for two and catch two, you know, it was kind of a, like a back and forth type thing, but here I get to work on it every day. And, um, really it was just about, uh, popping up and, and getting my shoulder squared a second and, and putting the ball in that general area to where my, my middle infielder can do something and, and, uh, try to make a tag. So, um, that's what I've been doing and, and it's been working so far. So I feel good about it. Talk with White Sox catcher, Zach Collins, who's at double a Birmingham. Zach, uh, what have you learned about yourself and what have you learned about pitchers when you go out there to have that chat on the mound, regardless of, of what's going on in the game? Have you, have you kind of changed your approach some when you got to have that conversation and kind of be psychiatrist out there for your guy? Yeah, for sure. It, it all depends on who's out there. I mean, some guys you really uh, can't go out there and talk to them because they're in the zone or, or something like that. But um, most guys you can go out there and have conversations and some want to talk about the game. Some want to talk about, something else besides the game and just get their mind off what's mm-hmm. going on but um again it all depends on the pitcher it all it all uh it all depends talk talking to pitchers you know they'll they'll think about certain keys they have in their wind up or their delivery and you know cer- certain things they kind of get loose on throughout a game what do you look for in a in a guy who's out there on the mound when you know you need to come out there and have a chat is it are you looking at that same key that he might have coming out in a start or is it more about location and, and the batter that you're facing at that moment? Um, I mean, we definitely try to pitch to our our, uh, our strengths, but at the same time, if a guy's flying open or, or getting out in front, leaving his arm behind, I kind of try to look at those those things because um, just just one little tweak can can take a guy from having a bad start to a great start. So um, the more he can he can uh, I guess locate his pitches and throw all pitches for strikes, the better we're going to have the chance of getting the guy out. So um, it all really depends on the pitcher again. And, and some guys have different things that, that they do, and, and you got to pay attention for those. You're leaving behind two teammates who are locating pretty well, Alec Hansen and Dane Dunning, both working real well at, uh, at high A. What was it like working with those two? And if you can give us a little scouting report in case we don't have the MILB package uh, to watch either of those guys down there <laughs> in, in Winston-Salem. Well, I mean, obviously we've been hearing a lot of good things about them, and, and just me catching them, it's been pretty special. I mean, they, they're two guys who I think can be really good at the big league level, and, and uh, they're definitely going to be really good. And, and I mean, they, they all have lights out stuff. And, and uh, I mean, I think for for both of them, it's just 
um, consistency and, and going out there every day and um, giving us a quality start. And, and uh, I mean, most of the time we win when they pitch in Winston, but um, no, they've done, they've done great and throw hard fastballs and have good off speed. So that's pretty much all you can ask. And one of the guys who, who gets promoted with you as the White Sox make a whole slew of promotions over these last couple of days, Eloy Jimenez comes right up there with you. He's been absolutely fantastic since coming over into the White Sox organization. You guys are lockstep now to Birmingham. What what strikes you most about Eloy Jimenez? Confidence. He has a ton of confidence, and um, he's actually my roommate now in Birmingham, and we, we talk a lot, and um, he pretty much just says that he pictures what he's going to do before he's that bad, and, and I'm telling you, most of the time he does it so far. <laughs> um, he is just—he's been unreal for us, and and uh, he's obviously locked in right now. And um, it seems like every single time he comes up, he's either hitting it off the wall or over the wall. So it's kind of weird. What is the uh, card game of choice then in the room for Zach Collins and Eloy Jimenez? We don't play card games. We actually just like kind of sit there and talk, or like on our phones or something it's kind of weird but all right um it's only been a day so uh we'll, we'll see <laughs> all right you guys will get into it you gotta find you gotta find a couple of guys play a little euchre get into some get into some card games that always that's a bonding Ooh. moment for a lot of players i'm a rummy guy uh, oh sure yeah well that's you play that with two too right yep there yeah. you go all right so get him into rummy uh you start him off early lose a couple of games to him let him build that confidence and then take him <laughs> for everything he's worth Exactly. That's what I have to do. He's already got the confidence, so I might just take the games from the first one. So. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That's a better plan. You don't have to lose right away. Just play right yeah. into the confidence. Exactly. S- spoken like a, a, a real rummy player. <laughs> Zach, really appreciate it, man. Best of luck this uh, last couple of weeks in Birmingham. And before you know it, we'll be seeing you in Arizona. It'll be awesome. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. That's White Sox catcher Zach Collins, just promoted to Double A Birmingham. We thank him for joining us here on White Sox Weekly. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. This is WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and we got about, uh, oh, about 40 minutes to go before we start the 35 minutes to go before we start the pregame show. Lots of news and information today. I, I didn't think we'd have all this when we when I woke up this morning, but we've had plenty. Um, let me just real briefly catch you up with what we know so far and, and the news we've got so far this afternoon. We, uh, when we come back after the 6 o'clock news here in just a couple of minutes, you're going to hear a little bit more from Jeremy Haber, assistant general manager, who we talked to last week. He, We talked a bit about uh, rookies in the rotation and what kind of um, potential issues can rise from that, but given the quality of the rookies the White Sox hope to have in that rotation over the next month and a half or so, uh, they're welcome problems. And and a bit from Director of Player Development Chris Getz on Lucas Giolito in the season, first half of the season he had too. Uh, about those guys, there's news. A couple of things. In case you missed it, Carlos Rodon is going to start game one of Monday's doubleheader against the Minnesota Twins. Carson Fulmer comes up to start game two of that doubleheader. He'll be the 26th man and be returned to AAA when that doubleheader is done. It'll be Fulmer's first big league start. So I'm sure he's looking forward to that. Tuesday, Lucas Giolito, who was going to start one of the two on Monday, Lucas Giolito is instead going to pitch Tuesday and be in the rotation from there on out. Be Earlier in the day, we found out that Ronaldo Lopez will indeed hit the 10-day disabled list. Uh, back strain 
is what the White Sox have called it there. He said his side was kind of bugging him some. Ricky Renteria clarified that a bit today and uh, mentioned that it's, it's more so his back than anything else. They seem pretty optimistic about the injury, all things considered, still an injury. Uh, but they're hoping it's it is just the ten days and and you know really two starts in that rotation. As to how things pan out, should Lopez come back? Well, we're not entirely sure how that'll work out yet. The White Sox do have Derek Holland going today uh, against the Texas Rangers, and then tomorrow it's Miguel Gonzalez. They do have Mike Pelfrey in the bullpen who has been a starter for most of this season since just being moved into the bullpen when Ronaldo Lopez came up two starts ago, two trips through the rotation, about 10 days, 11 days ago, I guess. They have also called up Danny Farquhar from AAA. They picked him up from uh, the Rays earlier this season. He has not made a start this year for the Rays in 37 games, all in relief. He has thrown 35 innings. Held a 1.43 whip. We'll call it a 1.43 whip with a 4.11 ERA. He is, uh, Farquhar is a native of Florida. And interestingly enough, interestingly enough, he said that Ricky Renteria was his favorite player going up. Apparently, it's not a joke at all. Like, Farquhar has a picture. I'm not sure if it's in his locker uh, but a picture that he's that he's got of him as like a seven year old out on the you know how they they take little leaguers out you know to the positions and you get to stand by a big leaguer uh, out there on the field during the national anthem and stuff and during warm ups those those little leaguers get to go out and hang out there. Apparently Farquhar was out there and standing next to Ricky Renteria on the field in a very similar scenario when he was like seven. He's thirty now, so the math checks out. Uh, and if he's a Florida native, you know, Ricky would have been playing for the uh, the, the Tampa Bay Rays. No, Marlins at the time. So uh, Danny Farquhar gets to play for a manager who was once, who is his favorite all-time player. That's I don't. That's crazy. It's pretty cool. It's crazy. So Farquhar comes up. He's going to be in the bullpen and available for the White Sox tonight. We're going to hit the 6 o'clock news here in just a minute. When we come back, you'll hear Chris Getz talk a bit about Lucas Giolito. You'll hear Jeremy Haber Talk a little bit uh, about having rookies in the rotation. We will go through the farm report in totality as well. Um, yeah, that's what we've got coming up next on White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. You've got WLS AM 890. This is the farm report here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. We got you for another 20. I shouldn't do math on the show. I think Dave has already outlawed me from doing that. Something like, oh, 23 minutes until the pregame show starts at 6.30. Uh, so we will, up until then, get you up to date with some of the young arms and bats in the White Sox system. We've got some news. Uh, we should have, uh, we have actually kept you posted on that. And real quickly here, we'll dive into the farm since um, some of these young men are going to be making their debuts for the White Sox sooner rather than later. Eloy Jimenez has had 13 at-bats for the Birmingham Barons. He's uh, had a couple of hits, five in total, five for 13. He has homered once. He has just been, I mean, Eloy Jimenez has had a fantastic season. Even before getting traded over into the White Sox organization, he was out of this world. Since coming over, he has been even more out of this world. It's been real fun to watch. We talked with Zach Collins, who is two for six. In Birmingham so far, just a handful of games. And, you know, when you look at the season that Collins had had 
at Winston-Salem, the average low, the on-base percentage very high, the power numbers quite acceptable. You, you kind of wondered uh, about what kind of quality of contact he's been making, but we talked with him about a half an hour ago on the show, and he seems to like where he's at as far as pitch selection, as far as what he's swinging at. What you do with it after that is is another set, but you know to make the decision and to know that you are – Pulling the trigger on the right pitch, I suppose, that's uh, that's that's a goal in and of itself or a skill set in and of itself, too. Um, by the way, you can go back and check out the website, WLSAM.com slash White Sox, in case you missed any of the show or any of our previous shows or interviews or what have you. They're all up there in podcast form. You can check them all out, WLSAM.com slash White Sox. Today we talked with Colin Whitchurch at BP South uh, Southside, easy for me to say, and Zach Collins. Uh, who is a catcher in the White Sox system and a subject of the Farm Report. Lucas Giolito will come up and make his debut in the White Sox rotation on Tuesday. That's part of the news and part of the Farm Report here on the show is that the rotation has been swapped around a little bit with Ronaldo Lopez hitting the disabled list. Carlos Rodon and Carson Fulmer will go game one and two of the doubleheader on Monday. Lucas Giolito throws on Tuesday. And for Lucas... You know, we've talked a bit about him and about his um, about his season. I, I remember going back to training camp, right? Spring training down in Arizona. I'm trying to, trying to make sure that the uh, – yeah, that's when, we, that's when we saw him first. When I saw the bullpen that I'm thinking about. Boy, the, the work that he was putting in with Don Cooper. I mean, this was, this was a long session. This was a lot of talking. This was a lot of making sure that – you know, everybody was, as cliche as this sounds, on the same page and working through the stuff, the same stuff the same way. Uh, and, and it seems as though, you know, that kind of work, that kind of conversation is continued. I think the White Sox are incredibly fortunate to have had Steve McCaddy as the AAA pitching coach for Charlotte in that McCaddy was the pitching coach for the Washington Nationals through a couple of years of Lucas Giolito's um, service time there. He knew Lucas coming over, knew what he looked like, knew how he had changed, and knew what the White Sox wanted to get him back to. I, I think that, in a very real way, was fortunate. So I want to take you back to a conversation that I had with Chris Getz at the very beginning of July about Lucas Giolito and about what the season had been for him and what they'd hoped to accomplish from July up to this point. They seemingly have. He's coming up to the big leagues on Tuesday to make a start. So uh, here's Getz talking about Giolito. Uh, again, beginning of July is when we had this conversation. You know, once we, we got Lucas, obviously there's a kind of a getting-to-know process. Um, and then, you know, you, you should obviously – you see him in spring training, see him in the beginning of the year. You're building the relationship, the trust, all those types of things. Let him go out there and do his thing. You read things, you hear things, you have conversations. But you really got to let him go out there and do his thing and then kind of, okay, this is something we can add here. This is something we can add here. But in the end of the day, when it came to, came to Lucas, we just needed to simplify things. Um, he was aware of that. We were aware of that. We reached a point where, okay, let's focus on this, let's focus on that, and then all of a sudden his mechanics, his delivery came to the line and he was able to command his fastball better, land his curveball, his sliders improved, his changeup. He started putting these things together. And I, I remember that time uh, when you bring, you bring up Indianapolis and having conversations with McCaddy, some others. And, yeah, I mean, that was that everyone was talking about 
we think it's about to kind of turn the corner here and he's going to take off, and he did. Certainly did. Uh, threw himself a no-hitter shortly after that. Seven innings, but still, it counts. A lot of strikeouts, too. And, you know, for Lucas, kind of kind of for Lucas, for Ronaldo, for Carson, too, it's about, and, you know, you've heard this about pitching prospects before, it's about limiting the walks and keeping the pitch count efficient, right? Homers are going to happen. You're going to give up hard contact to experienced major league hitters. It's, you know, that's all part of the growing pains. But making sure that that damage or doing the best you can to make sure the damage comes and I'm, I'm talking about, you know, extra base hits. I'm talking about bat on ball kind of damage. Making sure that happens when you haven't given up free passes, that seems to be key, you know, for for those three pitchers in particular and for pitchers in general, that is a really big key. That said, as, as that is a big task for rookies in any rotation, I asked Jeremy Haber, who is the assistant general manager to Rick Hahn, uh, about a week ago, how many rookies... And what kinds of issues, both positive and negative, do a number of rookies in one rotation present you? The White Sox will have for sure two uh, in the rotation once Ronaldo Lopez comes back off the disabled list now that Lucas Giolito is coming up. Here's what Jeremy had to say about it. We talk about, you know, when is a guy ready to come to the big leagues as an individual uh, individual evaluation? The, you know, the guy on the mound and how is he going to attack major league hitters? When a guy's when a guy's ready to do that, uh, he's going to come up, and the the hitter isn't looking at you know is this guy a rookie or is this guy got eight years? He's looking at the ball out of the hand and mm-hmm. and trying to compete. As as much as though as you have to do some you know risk evaluation, if you if you had theoretically multiple rookies, I mean you'd, you'd be perhaps tapping a bullpen a couple of times if a guy has a sure. you know fairly typically rookie start. I, I mean. If and it's a good problem to have. If you have a bunch of talent come online at the same time, you theoretically create a couple of issues for the club. Are those just issues you're willing to have, considering the talent that might be there? Absolutely. We know that going into this, going into this process, on both sides of the ball, we're going to have a young team. That that is something that that Ricky has embraced from the the day he got here. He says the development continues in the big leagues. And that is, you know, ex- ex- expecting that young guys aren't aren't the finished product. They may be ready to compete at the big league level, but they're not they're not going to be at their peak. And one of the benefits we have uh, in this cycle is that these guys are going to learn to compete at the big league level together. And whatever challenges that that presents, we will we will have to deal with at the time. That's White Sox assistant general manager Jeremy Haber. We had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. And, and just to be clear, we were talking about having rookies, multiple rookies in a rotation for, you know, the long haul, not seemingly the, the five, six weeks or so that the White Sox may have both Ronaldo and Lucas Giolito in the rotation this year. But the point definitely stands and, and is worth making, especially when you're talking to the assistant GM of the club you're you're talking about. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. Uh, Major League, the World Umpires Association has uh, has put out a statement. Wanted to read that for you here in our closing minutes of White Sox Weekly. It may affect every ball club here for the last couple of weeks and uh, figured it was worth bringing up here on White Sox Weekly. Stay right here, WLS AMA 90. This is White Sox Weekly. We just got a couple minutes left before we uh, head over to the sports studio and start the White Sox pregame show. Sox and Rangers coming up for game three of four. They'll have the Sunday game and then Monday's doubleheader against the Twins at Guaranteed Rate Field. The World Baseball Umpires 
MLB World Umpires, I suppose, is the uh, the actual, what would that be? Not anagram. Abbreviation. Anyway, that's what they call themselves. WUA. World Umpires Association. There's a word for that, and it's just escaping me right now. What I'm going to do instead is just read the statement they put out today. Sorry for the lapse in brain power. Here's what they said today, and I and I feel like this is worth mentioning because this may or may not affect every team in baseball from here on out. We will see. But here's the statement they put out today. The World Umpires Association, the union representing Major League Baseball umpires, announced today that umpires are wearing white wristbands during all games to protest escalating verbal attacks on umpires and their strong objection to the office of the commissioner's response to the verbal attacks. The World Umpires Association's governing board issued the following statement today. This week, a player publicly and harshly impunged the character and integrity of Angel Hernandez, a veteran umpire who's dedicated his career to baseball and the community. The verbal attack on Angel denigrated the entire MLB umpiring staff and is unacceptable. Just a parenthetical aside here, they're talking about Ian Kinsler, uh, Detroit Tigers' second baseman, who said he's not angry with Angel Hernandez after a particular call. He just doesn't think Angel should be an umpire anymore. Back to the statement. The acronym, that's what it is, WUA acronym. Back to the statement. The office of the commissioner has failed to address this and other escalating attacks on umpires. The player who denigrated Hernandez publicly said he thought he'd be suspended. Instead, got a far more lenient treatment, a fine. He shrugged that off and told reporters he has, quote, no regret, regrets about his offense, offensive statements calling for an end to Hernandez's career. The Office of the Commissioner's Lenient Treatment to Abusive Player Behavior sends the wrong message to players and managers. It's, quote, their quotes, not mine, quote, open season on umpires, and that's bad for the game. Major League umpires hold themselves to high standards. We are held accountable for our performance at every game. Our most important duty is to protect the integrity of the game, and we will continue to do that job every day. But the office of the commissioner must protect our integrity when we are unfairly attacked simply for doing our jobs. Enough is enough. Umpires will wear the wristbands until our concerns are taken seriously by office of the commissioner. End quote and statement by the WUA. I got a couple of thoughts on this. Some of them fit for here. Some of them can't be done in the next 60 seconds. But what I'll say, I guess, is this. There's always been a back and a forth between players and managers and umpires. That back and forth on the field has always ended with the umpire, right? They have the power to end that discussion whenever they want. Sometimes those discussions start on the wrong foot. Sometimes those discussions start with the intent of a player or manager to be removed from the game. But by and large, the umpire's job is to be the adult on the field. If we're going to call this a kid's game, let's stretch the analogy all the way out. The umpires are the adults. And when you wield that kind of power on the lines, you have to make sure it's used in the right manner. When it's wielded arbitrarily, as sometimes it is, when it's wielded with no other result being, with no other thought being than, hmm, it seems as though you think these 40,000 people came out to watch umpiring and not baseball. I feel like we got to think about it for just a second. I'm not saying that the WUA doesn't have 
point or two. Not even saying that arguments themselves aren't entirely unfair to umpires. All I'm saying is that before we start wearing wristbands and things, maybe we mind the tenor and tone of conversations we're having on the field. Sox fans, join us as the White Sox take on the Minnesota Twins, August 24th, 7, 10 p.m. It's free T-shirt Thursday, and the first 10,000 fans will receive a Dick Allen retro tee presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Bring your business home to Bedford Park and win big. Purchase your tickets today by visiting whitesox.com or calling 866-SOX-GAME. Thanks so much to Colin Whitchurch, BP Southside. Thanks to Zach Collins of the Birmingham Barons. Thanks to Don Kleppen. Thanks to Dave Zaslowski. The pregame show is next. I'm Connor. Stay tuned. White Sox baseball is on the way.